guys. Here we go. Saturday, March 26, 2022. How is everybody doing this week? It is BK here coming at you guys from San Diego, California. Please follow me on Twitter for breaking news throughout the week. At Bravo Kilo Actual and be sure and check out my Instagram. And you can also message me at both of those. The Instagram is at BK Actual. As we get started here, 11.04 a.m., here on the West Coast, and why don't we go ahead and get into it, guys? We'll start internationally. Let's start with China and get caught up on this plane crash, which was completely insane. I'm sure all of you have probably seen the video on social media of it basically nose down, going like 300 miles, plowing straight into the ground. So let's get caught up on it. Uh, rescuers have found one of the flight recorders. And that was a Boeing 737 plane that crashed in southern China with more than 130 people on board. And now China is facing growing pressure to release more information about the disaster because a few things came out right away and then it's kind of been nada for the last 48 hours. So this was in a very rural area. It was tough for rescuers to get to. Not that there was going to be anybody who would be able to be rescued, but they've been trying to get all the black boxes and stuff and indeed they have at least one the device recovered from the china eastern airlines plane was believed to be the cockpit voice recorder because there's two separate ones there's a cockpit voice recorder and also like a data recorder they also have fragments of the aircraft and um sadly body parts recovered of course again no survivors have been found now the chinese government is now faced with its worst airplane disaster in more than a decade. They have moved quickly to control the flow of information. So the first official announcement on Monday, writes the New York Times, was just a two-line report from state television. It came out nearly two hours after the crash, very basic details. And then since that time, official media have said little about what could have led to such a disaster, like if there was a problem with the plane, the crew, weather. Uh, instead, they've been putting out scenes of emergency crews, you know, rushing to the scene and kind of like that. They did give the government a news conference a day after the crash, but they could not answer basic questions about the plane. The plane, again, a six-year-old Boeing 737-800. Uh, they could not even answer basic questions about the pilots. However, we, I'll get to the pilots in a moment because more has come out since then. And censors in China were deleting articles and social media posts that raised more questions about the disaster. So what else? Under, of course, Chinese President Xi Jinping, China has further tightened sweeping controls on information uh, when disasters strike, official messaging or information controls place an emphasis on positive energy or uplifting messages. So um, they were kind of being mocked, the officials at that news conference, by various people um, on social media. And this flight, it was flight number MU5735, again, China Eastern Airlines, it fell suddenly from a cruising altitude of 29,100 feet. Now, details of the plane's flight path had already been revealed a day earlier by Flight Radar 24. That's the app you guys can all download. It's a very cool app. You can see what's flying over your head. You can tell that you see what the plane number is. You can see the destination, how fast it's going. It's very cool. 
So um, the captain, and I'll get to their names in a moment, was hired in 2018, and he had 6,709 hours of flight experience. The first co-pilot had 31,769 hours of flight experience, and the second co-pilot had 556 hours of flight experience. They did add that the weather had been fine, was not an issue. Communication between the flight crew and the ground was normal before the crash. Uh, the voice recorder they found was not as badly damaged as they feared. It was damaged, but the part of the device that actually stores the voice recordings wasn't as badly damaged as the rest of the recorders. Um, what else about this? Um, just getting caught up. Again, there's just not a lot that's come out yet, so a lot of this is speculation. I've got a few tabs open here. Let's go to the next one. So we, uh, I have an ABC article, and they are analyzing this black box now. And um, let me see here. Yes, damage, blah, blah, blah. It was found in the main... The black box was found in the main impact point of the crash. It has been sent to Beijing. And... Yeah, so what we know is that we had the cruising altitude, 29,000 feet, and it went rapidly down to 8,000 feet, and then it leveled off. And then it went into like a free fall, like straight, like nose down. And there's a lot of speculation right now we don't know. I have heard United States aircraft experts saying that the initial descent seemed to be rapid but controlled, the one from 29,000 to 9,000, and they were like, that's what you would do if you experienced a sudden loss in cabin pressure. You would immediately descend rapidly uh, so people wouldn't die of uh, hypoxia. You know, they, they wouldn't pass out from lack of oxygen. So that's what you would do. And the question is, why then did it go suddenly from 9,000, and especially the way it did, just like straight down? Air traffic controllers made repeated attempts to radio the flight crew when they noticed that initial rapid descent, but they were unable to restore communications with the crew before the crash. Now, United States Intelligence Services say they do not have a clear theory on this, but a source in that uh, field told ABC News they are not ruling anything out, including a possible intentional downing. How about that? Um, oh, and if you didn't know, the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder are in the tail of the airplane. So often that's why it can survive the crash. Uh, my final tab here is about more about the China Eastern pilots. And let me see here. We have, um, again, a total of 39,000 hours of flying experience. That's the equivalent of four and a half years nonstop in the cockpit. So it sounds like the first co-pilot was um, kind of mentoring somebody else because he had vastly more experience. State-owned A state-owned newspaper identified the pilot as Yang Hongda and the first co-pilot as Zhang Zhengping. Uh, Zhang was born in 1963. He was one of China's most experienced pilots. He took up flying as a teenager in China in the early 1980s. He was selected from among thousands of people who applied to aviation school. 
Uh, he he even flew Antonov 8 AN-24s. That's a turboprop airliner that was once common in Chinese commercial aviation before they modernized it in the last couple decades. Uh, and indeed, after China purchased their first Boeing models, Zhang was one of the guys who traveled to Seattle in 1988 to train on that Boeing 737-300. And he also learned to fly the Boeing 767. He flew four models of different uh, aircraft. Again, th- almost 32,000 hours of flight experience. A very veteran pilot, a, a mentor to young captains. And the airline did commonly pair younger pilots with older pilots, which you would think uh, is, is what you would do. Now, the other guy is Yang. He's the son of a China Eastern pilot. He had, become, he had begun flying 737s in 2018. And they all had valid health certificates. Um, according to the government, their family conditions were stable, you know, uh, hinting at like maybe a intentional grounding. But they are going to have to look at it, and nobody is ruling out at this time an intentional downing. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, that seems kind of skeptical to me with this isn't like remember that what was that that german flight you guys remember that i always think of that one that's where the pilot decided to kill himself so he waited until his co-pilot went uh, to the bathroom and then he locked the cockpit door and he just slowly took the plane into a mountain and i guess on the voice recorder you hear like people screaming and the co-pilot trying to like bash his way in with a fire axe must have been god awful but in this case it seems like they were all in the cockpit so very strange And I'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Now, speaking of strange, here's another one. Let's go to Switzerland, where four people, apparently members of the same family, have died after falling from the balcony of their seven-floor apartment in Montreux. That's in western Switzerland. A fifth person, a teenage boy who also fell from the balcony, was hospitalized in serious condition. Uh, So... Uh, I, I just checked before the podcast. They have not been ide- officially identified, but the police say they were believed to be members of a family of French nationals. And there, it was all, uh, it, it was a family with a little bit of an extension. It was a 40 year old guy, his 41 year old wife, her twin sister, and then a couple's eight year old daughter and the couple's 15 year old son. And they believe that it was likely that the people had jumped from the balcony. So according to the preliminary report, two police officers knocked at the door of the family's apartment on Thursday morning at about 7 a.m. Jeez, God. And they were there to hand a summons to the father in connection with the homeschooling of one of the children. So when they knocked on the door, they heard a voice coming from the apartment asking them to identify themselves. After they did so, the officers did not hear any further sounds coming from the apartment and they prepared to leave. Uh, so they don't, they don't, they weren't like, they had no reason, I, I suppose, to kick in the door. They were still actually in the building when a witness called the police to say that some people had fallen from a balcony. Um, yeah. And local authorities in that part of the world usually send the police to visit individuals who fail to respond to repeated written summons. A witness said one of the children living in the apartment was being homeschooled. Now, that is legal in Switzerland, but it does require routine checks on the process. And when parents do not respond to those checks or answer and set up appointments, they can be summoned by the police. And apparently, that's what the police were there for. 
Uh, obviously, something else is going on here, but uh, I can't imagine the family all just joining hands and definitely wanting to jump by themselves. I mean, the, you know, the, the boy he said it was 15, so like, I mean, <laughs> my dad's grabbing my hand and said, hey, we got to jump. I'm like, hell no, dude. You do what you got to do. I'm staying right here. Uh, but strange case indeed, so I, I'm sure there's something else going on. Let's go to Afghanistan. And talk about the Taliban. Now, shockingly, the Taliban has reneged. Yes, what did they renege on? They reneged on their promise to open Afghan girls' schools. Yeah, this week they abruptly reversed their decision to allow girls' high schools to reopen this week. And the Taliban said that those schools would remain closed until officials drew up a plan for them to reopen in accordance with Islamic law. Now, this is going to hurt them. The Taliban have been trying to build credibility with international donors in the last couple of months because they're trying to get their economy going and, and build some trade. And uh, other countries want them to meet certain um, societal benchmarks. And girls being able to go to school is one of those things. Now, plus... This move could also threaten the billions of dollars of humanitarian aid that have helped keep tons of, I mean, millions of Afghans from famine. Because there, as if you guys have been listening, you know this, I've been covering it a long time now. They've been dealing with not only the war, not only the end of the war, not only the COVID, but they've also have, have this economic collapse due to all their money being tied up by international banking systems and all that. So there are over 1 million high school-aged girls who had been raised in an era of opportunity for women before the Taliban seized power in August of last year. And they thought until a few days ago they would be returning to classes on Wednesday. Uh, so that's right. On Monday, actually, the Ministry of Education had announced that all schools, including those girls' high schools, would reopen on Wednesday at the start of the spring semester. In fact, the next day, a Ministry of Education spokesman released a video congratulating all students on the return to class. So on Wednesday in Kabul, a lot of girls showed up to high school. And some schools actually did open, at least very briefly, that then quickly the Taliban came out, reversed their decision, and uh, that was it. So in recent months, the international community, yeah, here we go, has made girls' education a central condition of foreign aid and any future recognition of the Taliban. Now, when they first ruled the Taliban, remember that was back from 1996 to 2001 when we went in? They had barred women and girls from school and most employment. Uh, in a phone interview, a spokesman for the Ministry of Education said that Taliban officials had decided on Tuesday not to allow girls above the sixth grade to return to school yet. He attributed that decision to a lack of religious uniform for girls and the lack of female teachers for girls. So on Wednesday morning then, they had a news conference at the Ministry of Education and Taliban officials did not even mention the last-minute reversal and also they did not take any questions from journalists present. So this came a little bit more than a week before a pledging conference where the United Nations had hoped donor countries would commit millions of dollars in badly needed aid as Afghanistan grapples with that 
economic collapse. So now it's not clear whether donors are going to be willing to contribute following this thing. I mean, this is a basic human right education, at least the way we look at it. Um, what else about this? Anything? Yeah, when uh, schools reopened last September, grades 7 through 12, Taliban officials told only male students to report for their studies, saying that girls would be allowed to return after security improved. And they claim they don't have enough female teachers because they want these classes to be fully segregated by sex. And then after that, they insisted that Afghan girls and women would be able to go back to school in March. And the West took that promise as a deadline that would have repercussions for their efforts to eventually secure international recognition. Um, what else? Anything else about this? Yeah, there's a long article here, and I'm just like, just like little things. They want like a school uniform for the girls. Um, and it's the Taliban, you know, they're savages over there. They want this primitive Islamic theocracy. They pretty much come right out and said that. They've never wavered from that, and this is what's going to happen over there. And then, so what are you going to do? Uh, okay. Where else? Let's go to the UK and some place called Warwickshire. Um, they had a volunteer cleanup of a park in Warwickshire uh, of the Children's Park. And this is a good thing. All communities should keep their parks clean. Well, it ran into a little bit of a uh, problem. And in the UK, apparently they call them litter pickers. So they actually went to go to the Children's Park because they wanted to clean up some of something that's called Riverside Walk, you know, a bunch of kids. And they the reason they started this cleanup was because there was a bunch of reports of used condoms being discarded on this Riverwalk Park. So this group was like, well, we don't want to see our kids see that. So they went to the site this week on Tuesday. They did discover several used condoms and wrappers. But in addition, they also saw men performing sex acts in sight of the nearby child, child's play area. Oh, no. God, dude. Yeah, it was pretty bad. They've they, apparently some of the litter pickers are quite traumatized by the dudes wailing away on each other in the park I, I, guys i've talked about this many times you know i even asked my gay friends that i you know what's with the what's with the just go to can't you just go to each other's apartments and they're like well is this is a cultural thing you know because again if I, i've explained this before back in the day gay men were often closeted half of them had wife and kids and it's not like they could meet at a hotel because the clerk would tell you know the whole town and it would be gossip blah 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 so they would do the safe thing and go meet in a park fucking rest stop and whatever you can think of the the woods and that's where they would uh do their deed but guys my gay friend i'm telling it's 2022 all right nobody cares about two consenting dudes fucking slamming each other's booty holes so fucking just go to each other's apartment already <laughs> stop stop dude with the parks in the kids park but that's super gross and at least i mean at least do it at night when there are no kids there and then at least throw away the used condoms come on guys you're better than that let's go to sweden 
where two teachers have been killed at a school in Sweden. And again, I looked at this also right before the podcast to try to refresh to see if I get any more information, and I could not. So two teachers, yes, were killed at a high school in Malmo in southern Sweden. A student was arrested on suspicion of murder. Now, Malmo, as you guys probably know, is the heavily Islamic area of school. Uh, Now, the police are not saying there is a motive or not. Uh, Maybe some ethnic tension, perhaps, between the teachers and the students. Who knows? I'm speculating here. But the police did find both victims, two women in their 50s, injured at Malmo Latin School late Monday after getting a report of an attack there. The women did die of their injuries later that day. Um, Again, the police arrested an 18-year-old man on the scene. They are investigating whether he called the police himself. The police declined to identify the man, really. Yeah, that's what always raises my hackles. You know, my hackles are usually nice and laid flat on my body. But when I see suspicious media behavior, my hackles tend to jump up. Why would you identify him? Hmm. Swedish news media reported that the attacker had been carrying an axe, a knife, and a hammer. But they are still waiting on a forensic examination to determine the weapons used. Now, Sweden isn't the most violent place, you know, compared to our schools where we get shootings all the time. But in the past year, there has been a series of attacks over there. Uh, On January 10th, the police arrested a 16-year-old student after he knifed a teacher and a fellow student at a high school. Last August, a masked 15-year-old boy with a camera on his helmet knifed a teacher at a middle school in Eslov. That was an attack that a prosecutor said was a hate crime. Both victims in those cases survived the attacks. And that's really all we know. I know, guys. I'm going through stories. I don't even know if I'm going to make the two and a half hours because, honestly, there wasn't like a whole like lot of news out there. Let's go here. Boy, I don't think I've... I might have never talked about this country. Eh, maybe in passing, but it's been a long time. Let's go to Sri Lanka. Yeah, let's talk about Sri Lanka because they are on the verge of like an economic collapse over there. They have this economic crisis that is really... Uh, disrupting life uh, across Sri Lanka. And if you didn't know, geographically, Sri Lanka is an island nation off of India's southern coast. And um, it, it had been doing okay. In less than a decade, Sri Lanka had recovered from the ravages of a civil war that ended in 2009, and it turned into an upper-middle-income nation. It built this tourism-based economy that brought in billions of dollars, tons of jobs, uh, you see high-end eateries on the streets. You see high-class cars like Audis on the street, upscale malls and all that. And now they're just struggling to keep the lights on. So what happened? Well, they have an enormous debt load. Then they were hit hard by the pandemic. And now, yes, the war in Europe has really hit it hard. The Central Bank of India is printing rupees their currency and hoarding U.S. dollars. So that is sending inflation to a record high of 17.5% in February. Um, it, it, they even have the central bank paying for Iranian oil with tea leaves. Yes, literally leaves for tea. They started rationing power. Sections of the capital of Sri Lanka, Colombo, suddenly go dark. 
and they really do think that they've um, they're about to hit rock bottom. They're asking when is this going to crash? So, what about the politics of the situation? Well, it's difficult. Uh, the president is a guy named Gatabaya Rajapaksa. And his government is the one that started uh, rationing those power. Now, now Rajapaska won elections in 2019. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this is when I talked about Sri Lanka. He won the elections in 2019. That was just months after. Remember those Easter Sunday terrorist attacks that killed more than 250 people on the island? Yeah, I remember that. It was, I believe it was, I don't have the story in front of me. I believe it was like twin attacks on two different churches or something like that. But Rajapaksa had campaigned on a platform of really restoring security to that nation. And he was relying in part on his reputation as a brutal defense secretary. He, in fact, had helped bring Sri Lanka's long civil war to uh, a close. Uh, he had great name recognition. Apparently, their family is well known to all Sri Lankans. His brother, Mahinda, was Sri Lanka's wartime president. And he's now the prime minister. Um, so <laughs> it's funny. Of course, both of them have been accused of war crimes as they would bomb indiscriminately and all that. Apparently the civil war was about a, uh, an area of Sri Lanka that wanted to break away. It was called Jaffna Peninsula. It's in the country's North. They wanted to be independent. They said no. And so they basically just crushed everything. Um, let me see here. Yeah, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and coronavirus really disrupted their supply chains, boosted the cost of goods, and everything else. Now, part of the debt problem was from 2005 to 2015, the brother, Mahinda Rajapaksa, he took on huge amounts of expensive debt because he wanted to turn the country into like another Singapore you know, he wanted the, the tall buildings, the ports, he wanted to clean, he wanted tourism, he wanted foreign investment to come in. But a lot of those projects have stalled and they have failed to attract that private investment that the government had hoped for. So, yep. And then Godabaya came in, he enacted a sweeping tax cut. And now Sri Lanka is posting negative foreign assets for the, uh, for the first time in its history. Yields on their sovereign debt have soared from 7% to 16%. So if you guys don't know, uh, the yield is what the percentage that you make off of your principal if you're investing in that debt. And if it goes up to 16%, that means that it's such a risky investment that they're willing to give you a huge yield if you will just give them money. So just a quick finance thing. Plus, Sri Lankans, by the way, they cannot access U.S. dollars. So that means it's difficult for them to travel or hedge against the devaluation of their local currency. Again, the uh, rupee. India recently gave Sri Lanka $1.5 billion U.S. credit line to try to tide over their fuel crisis, much like us, they're having one. And China is thinking about offering them $2.5 billion dollars. Uh, yeah, and they have fertilizer problems, uh, all, all, all kinds of shit. So it's not looking good, and now they're starting to protest, unrest, all that stuff, and uh, we'll, it doesn't sound like it's a good deal. Let's go over to Israel. 
Israel, I don't know if it's started yet, but as of this weekend, they are going to host a historic summit. They will have the top diplomats from the United States, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, and Bahrain. And uh, this is significant because this is like a huge realignment of the Middle East. Because obviously Israel and the Arab Middle Eastern countries were uh, widely at odds for many, many decades. But now they're finding some common cause. Uh, one of the common causes, Iran. And another common cause is, again, the new global reality created by the war in Ukraine. Uh, this was unimaginable even like five, six years ago. But it helped when Israel sealed that landmark diplomatic agreement with the UAE, Bahrain, and Morocco in 2020. I remember covering that. And so, uh, okay, it hasn't started yet. It's planned for Sunday and Monday. And this will be the first meeting with top officials from three Arab countries on Israeli soil and highlights uh, how Israel, who, by the way, needed the United States to help broker those 2020 accords, can kind of become this bridge between D.C. and certain Arab governments. Uh, so these three foreign ministers will be added to a very short list of high-level Arab visitors to Israel. One of the first, you guys got any ideas? It was Anwar Sadat, the Egyptian president, who shocked Israelis by flying to Israel in 1977 and calling for peace in an address to the Knesset over there, or parliament. And um, indeed, uh, that's probably the reason that Sadat was later assassinated. He, remember, he was uh, betrayed by some of his own bodyguards and all that. I don't know the whole story. I, I, that's about all I remember of it, just off the top of my head. And then Hosni Mubarak, Sadat's successor, visited Israel in 1995 to deliver a eulogy at the funeral of the slain Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. And then King Hussein of Jordan also visited Israel several times, also one of those times being for Rabin's funeral. Uh, what are they talking about? Well, they're going to talk about the war in Ukraine, a possibility of a new nuclear deal with Iran, the need to... Avoid a surge of violence in Israel next month. Well, what's happening next month? Well, three important Jewish, Muslim, and Christian holidays will be overlapping. So, yeah. Uh, this is uh, quite different than a lot of what happened in the past few years. And... A lot of it has to do with energy production, too. Like Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates has come under heavy American pressure to raise its oil production to help reduce the world's reliance on Russian gas. Well, why, are we raising our oil production? Why are we as, like, they're so... We got to get rid of these 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 far leftist uh, greens in the Biden administration who thinks, like, energy is going to fucking come out of a unicorn's ass or something and power your car. I've gone over this exhaust. I really don't want to get in the whole electric vehicle stupidity. Yes, electric vehicles are cool. Are they yet, Are they there yet? Are they there to be practical yet? Absolutely not. You got to get there. You can't just like fucking drive gas up like six bucks a gallon, which is what I'm paying, and say, oh, just go buy an electric car. It's just not practical. It's not there yet. I hope one day it will be. Um, yes. Remember Israel has avoided sanctioning Russia, and indeed they have not even really condemned Russia too harshly for the uh, invasion. And Morocco, 
another country going. They rely on grain supplies from both Russia and Ukraine. They are facing a growing economic crisis, and they have also told America, no, we're not going to condemn the Russian invasion. There's like practical matters here. So, yes, Israel was ostracized for years. And the only two Arab countries who got along with them for years were Egypt and Jordan. Much of the Arab world refused to normalize ties until the creation of a Palestinian state. And that didn't change until 2020 when Israel established those diplomatic relations with the UAE and uh, Bahrain. So, hopefully, it goes pretty well. Uh, Trade between the Israel and the UAE, by the way, increased roughly 20-fold in 2021. Israel has also said it will post a military officer to Bahrain as a part of a regional alliance given the task of combating piracy. Huh. Yeah, this is all good stuff. So I'm sure uh, some protesters will be outside far away screaming about it, but, you know, let them scream. Okay, so now, of course, we do turn to Ukraine and our live updates page. Uh, Guys, uh, so Sleepy Joe made a big speech, and he delivered a forceful denunciation of Vladimir Putin and his invasion of Ukraine. He even declared, quote, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power, end quote. That's cryptic indeed. I wonder if they're going to be cleaning up that statement. I mean, is he calling for a coup? I I think a coup in Russia is more likely than Russia abandoning the war. Actually, I do. So Biden was in Poland. He was wrapping up a three-day trip to Europe, trying to uh, rally the troops, so so, so to speak. Not only our own troops were in Poland, but he, uh, the U.S. allies. And this was a speech at the Royal Castle in Warsaw. It came amid reports that the Ukrainian city of Lviv, just across the Polish border, was hit by at least two missiles. And you could see black smoke billowing over the city. So that attack happened right after Biden met with the Polish president, Andrzej Duda at the Presidential Palace in Warsaw, where he pledged support for Poland, of course, a key NATO ally. And um, he condemned a claim by President Vladimir Putin of Russia that he was denazifying Ukraine. I've I've talked about that nonsense for a while. Uh, Remember, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine is himself Jewish. Um, And yes, guys, spare me. I know all about the Azov Battalion and neo-Nazi elements and troops that are far away from uh, Kiev. I I get it. But, uh, you know, that's like, it's not like the main Ukrainian army. So Putin is just trying to propagandize there. Uh, Let's see, another major development. President Biden called Mr. Putin a butcher in response to a question after meeting with Ukrainian refugees in Warsaw. Uh, Zelensky himself spoke by video to energy producers meeting in Qatar, urging them to increase gas exports to Europe in an effort to reduce the continent's reliance on Russian fossil fuels. Russian um, vice chairman of the Security Council and the former Russian president Dmitry Medvedev, he made clear again today, Saturday, that his country, yes, was prepared to use nuclear weapons against the United States and Europe if their existence was threatened. That's fucking great. Russian forces have entered the city of Slavutich, 
near the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in northern Ukraine. They seized the hospital. They briefly detained the city's mayor. And what else do we have here? Yeah, Biden basically in this big speech, he cast um, the invasion of Russia as part of a decades-long attempt to crush the democracies. This is like he says, a clash of competing global ideologies. Uh, what else? Any updates? Um, oh, I got a little clip here. Let me hear this. Rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. For free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Okay, so... <laughs> We'll see. That's a pretty uh, uh, incendiary, is what the media would say. Incendiary quote. Uh, what else here? Um, oh, here's another one here. Europe, not in Europe, to engage in conflict with Russian forces. American forces are here to defend NATO allies. Yesterday, I met with the troops that are serving alongside our Polish allies to bolster NATO's frontline defenses. The reason we wanted to make clear is their movement on Ukraine. Don't even think about moving on one single inch of NATO territory. We have sacred obligation. All right. Sleepy Joe must have gotten a hell of an injection there. He's uh, fired up. Don't you even think about it. And there's more clips from that. Uh, let's see. Anything else on the live updates page? Yes. Called him a butcher. Met with... Polish and Ukrainian officials. Um, they keep talking about the fucking nuclear weapons and the denazification and all that crap. Um, well, oh, that's, there was a Minnesota man who has been released. He was held by Russian troops for 10 days. Yeah, this was 28-year-old Tyler Jacob. He was taken off a bus by Russian soldiers at a checkpoint. And... He had been teaching English in the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson since the fall. So he wasn't one of these goofballs from America who goes over there to fight. He was being held at a jail in the Crimean city of Simferopol, where he was questioned. His phone was searched. He was released earlier this week and is now in a NATO country where he has been reunited with his wife and daughter who separately made their way out of Ukraine. I guess they're uh, Ukrainians by birth. So, oh, yeah, here we go. He had Jacob moved to Ukraine in mid-November to be with his then-girlfriend. The couple met through an online dating site and married in January. So he moved there in mid-November, fucking married her right away. Okay. Oh, the, the, the step, it's the 11-year-old is his stepdaughter. So he said he was given sufficient food and he was treated okay. Uh, and now, of course, experts are warning of a public health catastrophe in Ukraine. They have, a, I didn't know this, Ukraine has alarmingly high numbers of people living with HIV and Hep C. And they have low levels of vaccination against measles, polio, and yes, COVID-19. And so now you have these you know, refugee camps, which are overcrowded, unsanitary. They're breeding grounds for cholera, 
and other diarrheal diseases, pneumonia, tuberculosis, stuff like that. So they're really making a huge effort to not have this spiral into this uh, really big conflict. What else? Uh, oh, this is a this is a kind of a cool story. A Ukrainian refugee won the women's race at the Jerusalem Marathon. That's pretty amazing. Thirty-one-year-old Valentia Veriteska fled their hometown with her eleven-year-old daughter. Uh, their town was Mykolaiv, and it had since come. Uh, it's been under Russian bombardment. And they waited at the Polish border for 15 hours in freezing temperatures and no food. But yeah, pretty crazy because on Friday, she decided to go fucking run a marathon, the Jerusalem Marathon. She won the women's race and she finished behind only two men with a time of two hours, 45 minutes and 54 seconds. Ah, yes, yes, she is a professional runner and a physiotherapist. Her husband is a fellow professional runner. He's staying in Ukraine, and he's actually fighting in the war there. Yeah, they pulled some strings to get her into this because it was um, it was less than two weeks until the marathon, and she got in touch, touch with them, and, and she's like, hey, I'm a Ukrainian refugee. Can I run? And, of course, they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Russia is signaling redefined goals in Ukraine now that their attacks have been stalling. Um, a statement by Russian Defense Ministry said that the goals of the first stage of the operation, that's a direct quote, first stage of the operation, had been, quote, mainly accomplished, end quote, with Ukraine's combat capabilities, quote, significantly reduced, end quote, and that would now fo now focus on securing Ukraine's eastern Donbass region, and that's where those Russian-backed separatists have been fighting for eight years. They didn't really say anything about further Russian expansion into Ukraine territory because they have these ground forces that have been stymied by the Ukrainian military response. And if you guys are, haven't been listening long, just go back a few podcasts and I talked about all the fucking weapons and all the tactics and all that shit. I'm not going to get into that again. But you guys all see the social media videos. Um, Russia has insisted that Ukraine recognize their control of Crimea. Remember, Putin's forces seized Crimea in 2014. And they also insist that uh, that the those two Kremlin-backed separatist areas, the over in Donetsk and Luhansk, be recognized as independent republics. President Zelensky has ruled out ceding any of those three regions to stop the war. Uh, but you don't know. Russia could be full of shit. They could just be saying this just to lull the West. Like, okay, they're going to take a break. You just don't know. You can't take. You have to take every single thing over there with a grain of salt. And then it was funny. Putin made this bizarre speech over there. He used uh, uh, apparently there's some like awards. There's something called the uh, Presidential Arts Prize, and Putin made a televised speech. It was like video conference with the winners of that prize. So he started talking about cancel culture and he didn't even mention Ukraine. Yeah. So I kind of see what he's doing there because um, he's kind of trying to 
get the right wing American sympathy. You know, the right wingers that like hate all the fucking LGBT stuff and kindergarten and all that. And you know, they're looking at you like, well, Putin's he's kind of an asshole, but hey, I bet there's no fucking gays in kindergarten over in Russia. You know what I mean? So he's trying to get some sympathy, maybe. Yeah, he um he he has a contention, does Putin, that the West is trying to erase Russian culture and history. He even cited J.K. Rowling, author of the Harry Potter books. Uh, as Because as you may or may not know, J.K. Rowling has been pretty outspoken about transgender women as not being women. And thusly made herself a huge target for the American left. Oh, here we go. I have a direct quote. I love these. Here's, here, here's Putin. He says, quote, not so long ago, children's writer J.K. Rowling was also cancelled for the fact that she, the author of books that have sold hundreds of millions of copies around the world, did not please fans of so-called gender freedoms, end quote. And then Rowling herself responded on Twitter. She didn't like Putin using her. Uh, she wrote on Twitter, quote, critiques of Western cancel culture are possibly not best made by those currently slaughtering civilians for the crime of resistance or who jail and poison their critics, end quote. She added the hashtag I stand with Ukraine. Um, yeah, so there, there's a bunch of shit about like the tactics they're using. I'm not going to get into all that. It's too long. Um, but needless to say, the fighting is ongoing and shows no sign of slowing down. Uh, just a couple of side notes on the conflict. Remember the Mariupol theater attack from, what was that, uh, like a week or, oh, it was uh, March 16th. That was that huge building where a bunch, hundreds of people were using it as a bomb shelter, right? And then Russia launched a rocket attack on it. So it was two weeks ago, but now it's back in the news because the attack on Mariupol's, I'm probably butchering that name. It's called Mariupol's Drama Theater. And local Ukrainian officials are now saying an estimated 300 people were killed in that attack. It was unclear how officials had arrived at that estimate. Uh, Russian advances in the southern port city have hindered efforts to find survivors in the rubble since that building was largely destroyed in that attack. Uh, by the way, that city is one of Ukraine's largest. They have also been cut off from water, electricity, and communications. So, and that was the th that was the building where they had the Russian word for children written in large white letters on the ground at either end of the uh, building. What else? Let's uh, well, let's uh, staying with our Russia-Ukraine conflict. Let's just add a side note about Germany. You guys remember, like, way back, I've covered Germany's military and how pathetic and shitty it was. Well, now they're looking at this with alarm, and they want to be a leader in NATO and in the European Union. Uh, so they are now holding, like, exercises uh, even, like, just 60 miles from the Russian border. Because this threat perception in Germany of Russia changed overnight. Now they're worried now they're worried about a full blown ass war in Europe. Remember, three days after Russia attacked Ukraine last night, Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany stood in Parliament and announced the biggest rearmament program for his country since the end of the Cold War. 
vowing not only to increase the defense budget beyond the NATO target that Germany had failed to hit for years. Remember, Trump was fucking screaming at him about that, and all of our stupid media were like, just, Jesus, it's awful. Just look how mean he is to the Germans. Just, 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 he's, so, he's terrible. Yeah, and guess what? Now they're doing it. Uh, he wants to invest 100 billion euros. That is two full years of current military spending to turn around years of underfunding of the German military. And why do you think they were underfunded? I've said it 100 times because they knew they had Daddy America to fucking come bail them out if anything happened. And possibly also because of the certain cultural unpleasantness that occurred in Germany circa 1938 through 1945. But yes, um, he is, they're also donating many weapons to uh, Ukraine as well. But this was like a huge fucking flip-flop by them. Uh, for, so decade, for decades, Germany hung back on security matters, matters because the entire country became pacifist after World War II. German politicians were reluctant to even talk about the military. German citizens were reluctant to even hear about the military. And I've experienced this firsthand talking to German people. So public opinion has dramatically shifted in Germany too. Two in three Germans now support arms shipments to Ukraine and back that increased in military spending. Back in just mid-February, a majority was still opposed to both of those things. On the morning of the Russian invasion, you guys remember this, the chief of the German army posted a brutally honest assessment of what German capabilities were. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he basically said that they, the German military was starved for years. The general who posted that, the chief of the German army, is named Lieutenant General Alphonse Mais. And he wrote the following, quote, In my 41st year of service and peace, I would not have thought I would have had to experience another war. And the Bundeswehr, the army that I am allowed to lead is more or less broke. The options that we can offer policymakers to support the alliance are extremely limited. End quote. And that's a spot on impression. You guys know how I do it over here. Uh, they do have uh, shortages from everything, from fucking even like uh, tactical kits, protective fucking plates, armor plates to thermal underwear. Radio equipment is 30 years out of date. Only one in three of their warships is ready to deploy. Some of their armored vehicles are five decades old. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, and I think way back in the day, I talked about how like half their airplanes can't even fly. It's not in this article, but the steel trap mine still remembers that one. And as far as energy, let's talk about the energy. Europe and the United States are making ambitious plans to reduce reliance on Russian gas. This, this subheadline kills me. Here's the subheadline. Quote, President Biden said the United States would send more natural gas to Europe, though he did not specify how, given that the U.S. is already near its export capacity. End quote. So he's just, he's just saying shit. I mean, I would love for us to increase our export capacity. But Germany has set an ambitious goal of having its reports, its imports of Russian oil and gas this year, 50%. And they want to free itself completely from their dependence on Russian natural gas by the middle of 2024. They have long relied extensively on Russia for energy. So um, the, 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 
the deal as far as Biden is concerned, the United States wants to send an additional 15 billion cubic meters of liquefied natural gas to Europe this year. That is roughly 10 to 12 percent of current annual U.S. exports to all countries. And by 2030, the U.S. will aim to increase supplies by as much as 50 billion cubic meters a year. Now, oil and gas executives were fucking caught off guard by this. They've been accustomed to being like screamed at because they're like climate change fucking Nazis. And now all of a sudden they're being like called on to, you know, contribute to the big fight by helping uh, liberate these European allies from Russian energy. So uh, they, they, they don't know how they're going to do it, but they are welcoming this because for the first time they're not being seen as these demonic figures. So they are going to have to work out a lot of things, including the shortage of port capacity to ship and receive more gas on both sides of the Atlantic. We just They just don't have the room. And also the Biden administration can't just order U.S. exporters to sell gas to European buyers or to set prices acceptable to those buyers. He can't, you know, there's no, this is a free market economy. Uh, and yes, the European Union is heavily reliant on energy imports from Russia. Russia is a huge producer of oil, diesel, coal, and perhaps most importantly, natural gas. Russia provides about 40% of Europe's national gas, uh, gas right now, and a sizable chunk of that is shipped by pipeline through Ukraine. Remember, Germany stupidly decided to shut down their nuclear plants because they were listening to all the shrieking activists, and now they fucking, uh, now people over there are being reduced to like burning wood in fireplaces just to stay warm because Germany got reliable affordable gas by pipeline from Russia. So they were like, oh, we don't need these nuclear power plants. It never occurred to the dummies that they are that Russia being led by this psycho Putin would start doing knocking about and uh, then be easily able to blackmail them. Germany also imports nearly a third of their crude oil from Russia. So yeah, Germany is like cutting off some, some small contracts, but Still enormously dependent on that. Um, I have a few clips actually from Biden. He was uh, he was over in Poland, and uh, one of them he's kind of he's kind of talking to the troops over there. Let's listen to this clip really quick. Here we go. I think even you Poles who know Ukraine so well have to be a little bit surprised at how what how much courage and capacity resilience the Ukrainian people when you see a 30 year old woman standing there in front of a tank with a, with, a, with a rifle I mean talk about what happened in Tiananmen Square that's Tiananmen Square squared oh very good Tiananmen Square squared good one and then here he is um, talking to the 82nd Airborne. Now, before I play this clip, remember, we have vowed we are not sending troops into Ukraine, right? So now carefully listen to this clip. And you're going to see when you're there, and you, sometimes you've been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. Okay, so you heard that at the very beginning. He says, you're going to see when you're there. And I believe the White House had to quickly <laughs> come out and uh, clean that up a little bit. 
Back home in California, as long as we're on the energy crisis topic, let's quickly talk about Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, in typical California and political fashion, they are not going, they're not fucking fixing the underlying cause of the issue, which is we do not have enough fossil fuel supply right now. No, no, no. They're just going to hand out more fake money. So Newsom outlined, he has outlined an $11 billion proposal designed to offset rising gas prices. If you guys know, uh, gas has spiked here recent months. The average, the average gallon is over six bucks in Los Angeles, and it's just about six bucks here in San Diego. So what's his plan so far? Well, okay, here's the basics. It would give $400 to Californians for each vehicle registered in their name. The current plan will allocate the money through a debit card to all vehicle registrants, including motorcycle and electric vehicle owners, regardless of income, by the way, as early as this summer. So there's two. <laughs> why, why should an electric vehicle owner get like basically a gas card? And the Democrats are already pissed off about the regardless of income part, too. Payments would be capped at $800 for anyone with more than one vehicle registered under their name. Though households with multiple vehicles registered to different family members could receive far more than that amount. Oh, they're kind of, okay. So everybody's going to go scam the fucking system right there. Uh, Californias, Californians who don't own a registered vehicle would not receive a refund. Although $750 million in grants would go to transit and rail agencies to offer free or substantially reduced fare. Um, his proposal is expected to cost the most of several proposals introduced in the state legislature. The $11 billion includes $9 billion in the tax refunds to drivers, $750 million for those public transit grants. God, nobody wants public transit, Newsom. Give it up already. I promise you guys, nobody in Southern California wants to take the bus. I promise you that. Now, you might take, you might take the cool coaster. That's a train that runs up and down here on the coast. That's pretty cool. But again, it's not fucking practical because what does it not do? It does not run 24-7. And that's a fucking non-starter. It has to be available all the time. I've been saying that for fucking a decade now. Uh, it would also provide $600 million to pause the sales tax on diesel for one year. And $523 million to pause inflation increase to gas and diesel excise taxes. Why just diesel? Why just the sales tax on diesel? Hmm. Okay, and, and now that's not the fuel tax. That's the sales tax on diesel, which is far less than the fuel tax. Okay, so there you go, guys. There is your Ukraine-Russia slash energy update. Now let's talk about the United States military, since we're talking about military stuff. And yes, big news this week, guys. They finally fucking gave up and admitted it. What did the what did the United States military review? Um, specifically, the Army. What did they finally admit? They finally admitted that biological males and biological females have far different st uh, capabilities when it comes to physical exercise. Because following a three-year review. The Army has scrapped plans to use that same physical test for all soldiers. Remember, that was the big that was the that was the whole thing they sold uh, all the rubes on. Nope, one standard, regardless of your male or female. And we knew that was never going to last because why? Because far too many females were failing the PT test, 
And so they quickly looked for ways to make it easier, which I told you was going to happen. So we most pretty, you know, it's funny too. So I'm not going to name his name, but let me just give you a hint. There's some guy on Twitter. He's, he, he's, uh, he's involved in the Ranger up community. I'll just leave it at that. But this fucking dope goes, I can't believe I thought, I thought we made huge progress with this gender neutral test. I'm baffled at why they're changing it now. And I'm like, really? You're baffled? And I commented to him. I was He doesn't like me. I was like, it's because too many chicks were failing, dude. There's your fucking baffling answer. Jesus. But, you know, he can't say that because he's like semi-woke and likes to think of himself as very, you know, pragmatic, open-minded. So that's what he, he, he played dumb. So anyway, this decision will make women and older soldiers have reduced standards. And the decision follows the RAND-led study that found men were more easily passing the new, more difficult Army Combat Fitness Test, or the ACFT, compared to women and older soldiers who were, quote, failing at noticeably higher rates, end quote. The ACFT six-event test was developed in 2019, and it was expansion from the old army PT test, which was the two mile run push-ups and sit-ups. Um, so yes, the army first changed the fitness test to include deadlifts, a power throw push-ups, planks, a run and a sprint drag carry event as long as the, as well as the dreaded leg tuck. That's right. The bane of all of you who are weak. The leg tuck was eventually eliminated. They had hoped that the newer test, that was the first change in the Army PT, PT test in more than 40 years. And they hoped this new test would better replicate tasks needed for combat while reducing the risk of injuries. But it quickly was criticized after it became clear that women, older male soldiers, and National Guard and Reserve troops had difficulty in passing it. Well, what does that tell you? If the test would better replicate tasks needed for combat and most of the women are failing, ipso facto, figure it out. About 44% of women failed the test from October 2020 to April 2021 compared to about 7% of men. Uh, oh, and then Rand found that the test did not accurately predict job performance and was better used to assess physical fitness. And they made that distinction because a low fitness score can affect a soldier's ability to be promoted. So now this new test uses new scoring scales and updated test events. I have specifics in a moment. Um, women and older men get longer to complete the run. Uh, they will have to pick up less weight during the deadlift. The maximum score for each test event is 100 points. Soldiers must get at least 60 points on every event to pass. If a soldier fails... They'll be able to retake the test after several months, but will be discharged from the army if they fail twice. Um, yeah, so the long dream of having women be equal to men in all things is now officially over. I have one more tab on this. Is there more? Um, is there more detail on this? Let me see here. Let's see the blah blah blah. 
Uh, yes. So, yeah, that, that's what they're saying. The ACFT, the six-event ACFT, is no longer meant to prepare soldiers for combat. It will instead be built as a general fitness assessment. So, here's a couple examples. A female soldier between 17 and 21 years old now has to deadlift between 120 and 210 pounds, while a male soldier has to lift between 140 and 340 pounds. In those same age groups, female soldiers have to run two miles between 23, 22, and 15 and a half minutes while male soldiers must perform that exercise between 22 minutes and 13 minutes, 22 seconds. That minimum runtime for male soldiers is actually a minute longer than the previous version of the ACFT. And they did that because data showed the run is by far the most failed event for most, uh, both gender, genders. Uh, again, leg tucks, the dreaded leg tuck, totally eliminated. Planks will take their place. Um, test designers were concerned that the leg tuck doesn't strictly measure core muscle strength, but also requires that a soldier spend a lot of energy on upper body strength. Oh God. Yeah. God forbid you have upper body strength. And, and again, I will point out when this leg tuck controversy first flared up like two years ago, they didn't have leg tucks when I was in. And anyway, this is the army, not the air force, but you know, I'd gone to army schools and I'd taken the army PT test many times. And just for shits and giggles, I had never done a leg tuck before in my life. I looked it up on YouTube, saw how to do it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how many I could do. And I was, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, 40, had been out of the military for a while, had never done a leg tuck before in my life. And I easily did like seven. If I did them every day for like a couple weeks, I could have done like 15. And I think the minimum standard for the infantry at the time in the army was five. So again, me, 40 year old male, albeit incredibly jacked, tan ab veins rippling down into the upper thighs. Guys, it's incredibly aesthetically pleasing right now. I was able to easily do it. So I'm not trying to hear this fucking whining about how you can't do it. But yeah, now they're coming out basically. What this is is a complete admission that female soldiers, uh, in proportion, as a sweeping general statement, cannot hang with the male soldiers that's they admitted it and that's not and and i'm not going to caveat that as i've said repeatedly i have met female soldiers and females who want to be in the military who are very physically impressive and could crush this test either way so it's not to disparage them i'm just talking in a general sweeping statement here yeah 52 percent of enlisted active duty women were able to pass the original design for the acft compared to 92 percent of men All right. Uh, Anything else cool in here? Here's an interesting thing. Women with the highest pass rate in the ACFT, the old one, included civil affairs specialists. They had an 89% pass rate, although that data included only 45 soldiers. Uh, Engineers and Cav Scouts did well as well. Uh, The jobs which enlisted women performed the worst on in the ACFT were mostly in the medical field, mechanics, and cooks. Uh, As far as the men, you'd expect this. Enlisted men performed the best in the special forces. They had a 100% pass rate. Men who were cooks cooks are in the medical field performed the worst for the men as well, but those pass rates were still above 80%. All right, there you go. The ACFT, the new and improved. Let's keep going here. 
Let's do... Wait, do I have all these in a row? Hang on, guys. Stand by for a second. Okay. <laughs> let's go back to our international news. Uh, let's talk about Pakistan and Imran Khan. Imran Khan is the Prime Minister of Pakistan. He's a former professional cricket star, if you didn't know. Huge in that part of the world, cricket is. Well, he's fighting for his political survival right now. And this is after opposition political parties have moved for a no-confidence vote in Parliament. And the country's military has withdrawn their support for his government. So now he has announced plans to gather a million supporters in Islamabad. Islamabad. He has also appealed to the Pakistani Supreme Court to disqualify lawmakers who have defected from his party. Oh, this is always a, this is always a hit over there. He has denounced his critics as part of an American-influenced conspiracy. Yeah, but so now people are demanding his resignation. Uh, they th seem to think that he thinks the political end is near. Pakistan is the world's second largest Muslim country. And it has been a reluctant but very important American partner in the campaign against terrorism. And they, are, they do have nukes, by the way. They have drifted farther away from the United States under Mr. Khan. They do back the Taliban government in Afghanistan also, but Imran Khan has been trying to embrace a more uh, strategic partnership with China and have closer ties with Russia. But Pakistan has all kinds of domestic problems that have nothing to do with all that shit. They have huge inflation. They have widespread dissatisfaction. And many people are saying that he mismanaged the economy. Uh, the army was displeased when he tried to place a loyal aide and former spy chief, some guy named Lieutenant General Faiz Hamid, in charge of the army over the objections of the top military leadership. Yeah, this, is, this, this should be exciting. Uh, this is supposed to come to a vote in parliament as soon as next week. And... If that goes as expected, I didn't know this, that would extend Pakistan's record of never allowing a prime minister to serve a full five-year term. Wow, really? So, so they've always kicked out their prime ministers before their term was up? Uh, that's the way I interpret that sentence. I could be misreading that somehow. That was a direct quote, that, that sentence I wrote, uh, read. So that, that sounds hard to believe. But yeah, so we're going to have some fucking huge rallies in Islamabad this weekend and all next week. So we could have some like good fucking violence over there. We'll keep an eye on that. Remember, Khan was elected in 2018. He ran as a nationalist. He wanted to fight corruption, put the country's economy back on track. And he also ran as maintaining an independent anti-American foreign policy. So he uh, kind of had a hard time, though. He wanted to get more loans from the International Monetary Fund and all this shit. And the, as far as that guy, he wanted to head the military. Yeah, because he just wanted to put his buddy in the military instead of like the military using their own regular promotions. So they bucked that. And they were like, no, we don't do that here. And he's kind of anti-American, at least in his rhetoric. He attacks his critics by saying they are supported by the United States. Last week at a political rally at a town, he urged the crowd to support him against, quote, slaves of America, end quote. 
And he has had several meetings, remember, with Russian President Vladimir Putin. And he has, he has yet to speak with President Joe Biden. In recent speeches, he has emphasized his resistance to American foreign policy. And last June, he said Pakistan would, quote, absolutely not, end quote, allow the CIA to use bases inside Pakistan for counterterrorism operations inside Afghanistan. Yeah, he said fucking no way. I wonder if that's true, though. I wonder if we do have some over there. Probably. Yeah, keep an eye on that. Let's go to the Democratic Republic of Congo. 14 people, including seven children, were killed with machetes. Dude. And this is, um, if you're looking at a map, it's like in that northern Kivu province. I've said it, I've, I've talked about that before. It's in that troubled area in northeast Congo. And this took place in a displaced people's camp. Is that the new term for refugees? Displaced peoples? Among the victims were five women aged between 25 and 32 and a two-year-old girl. What kind of savage do you have to be to machete a two-year-old girl? I mean, you just have to have, like, no soul or in the grip of some kind of religious fucking frenzy something. Yeah, they, they, they believe the perpetrators belong to what they call the CODECO Armed Group. That is an acronym, C-O-D-E-C-O. Uh, it does not say what the, Af the acronym stands for. But they have blamed this armed group for a string of ethnic massacres in the area. And they said, yeah, they walked right in and started to cut people with machetes. They did not even fire shots, probably because they wanted to keep it quiet. Attacks have continued in North Kivu and all that area. And this is kind of happened since last year. More than 1,000 civilians have been killed from May of 2021 to January of this year, even with support from the Ugandan military. Yeah, just another fucking African basket case area. What's new? Uh, let's see. Okay, let's do something fun here and turn to Florida man. Here we go. <laughs> Florida man Nicholas Schaub is under investigation after a video that allegedly shows him sexually abusing his dog was obtained by the police. He is 20 years old. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, guys, get ready for some all-time fucking quotes here. And if you have any children, just, you know, tell them to go do something for the next minute or two. So he is being accused of digitally and orally assaulting his family dog. They learned, the cops learned of the uh, video from Shab's ex-girlfriend, who identified the victim in this case as a dog named Berkeley. Officers have not made any arrests to those allegations yet. Um, well, I'm confused because they show his mugshot, but the story says they haven't made arrests on those allegations. They might have taken him into something else. However, the officers did take Berkeley into custody. So in a petition, you guys ready for this? In a petition filed in court on Wednesday, Officer Wilk, they don't say his first name, wrote the following on the petition. Get ready. Quote, Nicholas Schaub knowingly engaged in sexual contact with the family dog by using his tongue to lick the anus of the dog 
and use his fingers to digitally touch the anus. Mr. Schaub also recorded video footage of the sexual contact. Oh, God. Bro, you're licking a dog's butthole. I mean, how bad is it? I'm looking at his picture right now. He's like, you know, young guy. He looks not ugly. Good hair. Licking Berkeley's butthole. Bro, that's fucking rough. Wow. She. Yeah, she. uh, Okay, so the girlfriend, the former girlfriend, alerted authorities the video after it was sent to her by an unknown number. She deleted the number but saved the video. Officer Wilk then extracted the video from the female's phone while taking it into evidence. Um, oh, God, there's a play-by... Okay, guys, I didn't know it was going to be this detailed of an article, honestly. So, there's more. The petition goes on to describe the events in the video. Oh, and there's another male in the video who's not identified, okay? So, here, here's what... Officer Wilk wrote, and they redacted uh, the name of the other male. Okay, here we go. The video showed two males. Redacted was able to identify one as Nicholas Schaub. Redacted was in a previous relationship with Mr. Schaub. That's the ex-girlfriend, presumably. The second male, Redacted believes, is Dylan. Unknown last name. In the video, you can see the dog, Berkeley, lying on the couch. Redacted explains she recognized the couch, and it is in Mr. Schaub's residence. Uh, Mr. Schaub is then seen grabbing the dog's tail and moving it to the side. You can then see Mr. Schaub put his face to the dog's anus and lick the anus of the dog. Mr. Schaub is also seen using his fingers to point and touch at the dog's anus. (laughs) I can't. Oh, God, you guys, I'm having a tough week. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, the last thing, I I really didn't think it was going to be this bad. I just saw the headline. I I didn't think it was going to be this bad. So there you go. And, and guys, that's not even the big finish. Uh, It's... And that's and that's not even the last fucking bestiality story I have with this podcast. Remember, these are all very important news stories. Oh, man, dude. It's gone fucking bad for you in life if you're licking dog butthole. That's a fucking BK truism. You can take that one to the bank. All right, what else? Quick COVID update. I don't even know why. Nobody cares anymore, but why not? I got it open anyway. Let's see. Um, total reported cases in the United States for the pandemic, 79,833,020. That is a minus 14% in the 14-day change. Total reported deaths, 975,302. That is a minus 37% in the 14-day change. Uh, Course, cases have fallen, although the pace of improvement has slowed in recent days. We now have, as I told you last week, the BA.2 subvariant. And they ha- that has been seen in New York, Connecticut, and Arkansas. Cases are up by more than 20%. In those three states, still most states see continue to see very very declines. Cases remain at their lowest levels nationally since last July. Fewer than one thousand deaths are currently being reported each day. Um, as far as just any 
interesting news about this, which is nothing, but um, what do we got here? New York's mayor, Eric Adams, he's uh, getting shit on because he has a vaccine exemption for athletes, apparently. Professional athletes and performers based in New York City. And he is uh, now he's got the entire city employees and all their unions pissed off because if they don't get the vaccination, they are supposed to lose their jobs. And this includes the Police Benevolent Association, the largest police union in the city. It is estimated that more than 1,500 public employees in New York City have lost their jobs because they did not abide by the vaccine mandate. Yes. Uh, anything else interesting? I'm just going to go through this really quick because I just I, I don't care. It's been two years. I don't care. Uh, the use of at-home coronavirus tests jumped during the Omicron wave, but uh, disparities remain because evil white high-income people were most likely to report using those tests, and they just can't have that. Federal COVID cash kept New York State afloat, and now they don't know what to do because that money is going to go away pretty soon. The Biden administration is planning to offer a second booster shot to older Americans if you want it. And uh, I think I'll just leave the fucking COVID shit there. Yeah, let's just move on. What else? Let's do some... um, Let's do some political news. And let's actually start with the... uh, We had Supreme Court hearings. Yeah. And uh, this is, of course, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. And I have many audio clips. I'm, I'm probably not going to play them all, but I've got a lot lined up. But uh, let's start. They had the hearing. And, you know, I don't even see the big deal because she's a lib and she's going to replace another lib. So it's not like the balance of power is shifting here at all. But whatever. It's good TV. So the big thing is the uh, handling of a 20, her handling of a 2013 case in, involving images of child sex abuse. I'm going to play some clips in a moment again. But here's what the the New York Times is obviously for this because not only is she a big lib, she's also a black female, and they fucking are jizzing themselves thinking about that. So this was the sentence for Wesley Hawkins, a 19-year-old man who had pled guilty to downloading and trading scores of images and movies of child sexual abuse, including several showing boys who were under 13. This is back in November of 2013. The prosecution asked Jackson to sentence Mr. Hawkins to two years in prison, arguing that his possession of the material was extremely troubling. Hoskins, uh, is it Hawkins or Hoskins? Oh, there's a, there's a typo. It is Hawkins. Hawkins' lawyer was asking for a single day in prison. He contended his client was young and remorseful. remorseful. And, guys, what's the hot new defense attorney uh, argument? That's right, mentally ill. So in the end, Jackson gave Hawkins three months in prison. And she issued a sentence lower than the ones recommended by both probation office and the non-binding federal guidelines. And she also credited the defense's claim that Mr. Hawkins should not be thought of as a pedophile because he was fairly close in age to the children depicted in the images he had. But so Okay, so he was 19, and it says the boys were under 13. So really... And how far under 13? What if one of them was two or three or four? It's still pedophilia. Um, but, you know, this, this is the big line of attack for. And I'm not, I don't really care either way. I'm just saying, but this is not really unusual for cases involving images of child sex abuse. Now, you can take that and be mad at that. But if you, if you're, if you think she's the only one that does this, 
It's you're wrong. Um, the decision was not out of line with comparable cases in the federal district court in Washington, where many older defendants with large collections of child sex abuse imagery, more than this guy had, have not served prison time at all. So if you want to be mad at somebody, mad, be mad at the entire system. She's just fucking one of that system. So Josh Howley went um, through some of the gory details, and I, I have a clip of him. So, yeah, he, he, he basically, as much as you may hate it, here's the thing. There's a conflation between, so sex offender is a blanket term, which is why I think we need better terms. Because you, they're all, be, don't get me wrong, if it was, I had my way, we'd all shoot them into, into the sun. But I don't, I don't rule the world yet. So a lot of people conflate sex offenders with you know, sex assaulters. So, there's, so in other words, the difference between those who just look at the pictures and stay home and don't do anything, but they have the fucking pedophilia material versus those guys who actually prey on the children who are like, you know, actually trying to sexually assault children. That's why I think we need different names for different shit. So, and actually, according to ABC News, Josh Howley himself has voted to confirm at least three federal judges who also handed down sentences in cases involving images of child sex abuse. Then were, and those sentences were also lighter than what the federal guidelines recommended. So, and Josh, it's not like Josh Howley like really cared about those cases. They were probably a lower court. He was probably just fucking signing the paper that somebody shoved in front of him. But with the Supreme Court justice, now you get to go on TV and make speeches and shit like that. So, yes. Um, shall I just go to the clips now, or is there other ones? And yes, other other nominees have done the same thing. So again. You can hate that this is not unique, but it's not unique. So um, let's start our audio clips on this. Well, here was the big one that was going around. Um, here is when Marsha Blackburn asked Jackson to provide a definition for the word woman. So let's uh, listen. To uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? <laughs> not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Okay, so the, the, the big, it was, it was pretty funny watching all the memes throughout the week because if you didn't hear her, she said, I'm not a biologist. So now all the guys making memes are going crazy about her saying they're not a biologist. So you know, it's stupid because, yeah. And for like, honestly, in modern times, yes, people, society has decided that women is an incredibly different topic because woman again is gender. Female is biological sex, but the term woman now has become about gender. And we've upended tens of thousands of years of human history in the last five years to just to, to, to decide to make the word woman incredibly complex. So believe what you will about that, but that's what we've done. 
Uh, here is, again, Tom Cotton talking to Jackson on a child predator who had violated the terms of their supervised release. She had sentenced this perpetrator to only three months in prison. That was way below the guidelines and prosecutor's recommendations. Let's hear how this, this is the goes. order you sign, Judge, on April 17th, 2019, in USA v. Hawkins. And it says that you concur with the recommendation of the probation office to return him to residential reentry facility for 180 days and to engage in various kinds of computer monitoring and computer computer monitoring and search. There's your signature over there, Judge. You really yes. don't you really don't remember what Senator, that is a very, very common thing that judges do. I've sentenced over a hundred people and supervised release, which is the kind of post incarceration uh, condition that judges ordinarily impose is something that's done on a standard form, which is what that I, is. I understand you've done a lot, Judge, and but no, none of them have been the centerpiece of your hearing for the last two days. Do you really do you really expect this committee to believe that you don't remember what happened in this Hawkins case when it came back before you? Oh, that was the yes, guy. Yes, Senator, I, I do expect you to believe that's my testimony. Well, I, I don't find it credible, Judge. Okay, like I said, I'm just going to whip through these because I got quite a few of them. Uh, here is Ted Cruz. He's talking about a few cases where she also sentenced convicted predators to below federal sentencing. In, in Hess, you said, I have to say that what I found particularly disturbing about your offense uh, was that, quote, you apparently concocted a story about having photographed your own daughter who you purportedly were willing to take pictures of to trade with other people. I know from your comments and from those who know you that you are unlikely to ever harm a child, which I find remarkable that you've got a child predator in your court who says, I'm unlikely to harm a child. And you say, well, you told me that, so, so clearly you're unlikely. But you say, but in the context of the crime, you represented that you would. That in and of itself is astonishing. So you talk about it as astonishing. You nonetheless sentenced him to the very lowest possible sentence allowed under law. And what's striking is in these cases, and half of them in five, you sentence the defendant to the absolute lowest sentence under law. Let's look at another case. Let's look at United States versus Chazen. Now, Chazen is a particularly nasty case. In Chazen, the defendant was accused, accessed a Dropbox that contained 35 videos and 13 partially downloaded files of prepubescent minor females engaging in sexually explicit conduct. No. Uh, at least three of the instances of prepubescent female children were engaged in sexual activity with adult men. Oh. The images included the sexual abuse of children, including those as young as toddlers. And several of these cases that you had involved the sexual abuse of toddlers, which is truly horrifying. In this instance, Chazen pleaded guilty. The guidelines recommended a sentence of 78 to 97 months. The prosecution argued that should be what the sentence was. And you sentenced Chazen to just 28 months. Why did you sentence someone who had child pornography of toddlers being sexually abused to 28 months, 64% below what the prosecutors asked for? Okay, so uh, the, the clip cut off there. I, th I just thought she was going to answer. Uh, let me see. What else for the clips of Katanji Brown-Jackson? Um, I wanted to get to the one of... 
Howley. Um, where is he? God, I, I have way too fucking many of these. Let me see. Here's one of Howley right now. Here he is basically uh, asking her the same kind of shit and her record, and she's kind of like not Why answering. Why isn't it rational to sentence people who have thousands of images on a computer to more time as opposed to somebody who has one or two pictures in the mail. In other words, the more images there are, why wouldn't you want to sentence that person to more time rather than less? Why isn't that rational? Senator, I've answered this question and I'll stand on what I already answered. So, but your answer is what? I mean, refresh my memory. Senator, I've answered this question. I've explained how the guidelines work and I'll stand on my answer. But the guidelines are not mandatory. I wish they were, but they're not. The Supreme Court made that determination. I'm trying to understand why you think it's rational not to sentence criminals based on the number of images they have. You say that this is a policy disagreement that you have with the guidelines. This gets to the core of your judicial philosophy. You served on the Sentencing Commission where you recommended changes to the guidelines based in part on this policy disagreement. So I think it's relevant and indeed vital we understand what the policy disagreement is. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Senator, I previously explained what the policy disagreement is, and I will stand. Okay, she's not going to answer it. She's going to just be like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if she's going through her head at the time. She's probably like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Any any other good ones? More Ted Cruz. Does he say anything interesting here? Oh, this one is funny. Uh, so here Ted Cruz offers a hypothetical. Uh, seeing, uh, here he goes. Um, he's talking about discrimination by race. Let's, let's check. If, this one out. if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose article three standing. Uh, tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? Would, would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and um, well, I'm asking you how you would assess standing if I if I came in and said I have decided I identify as an Asian man. If if, if I can change my gender, if I okay, can so gender, yeah, that's uh, that's she's not going to answer any of that shit, dude. Uh, here she's talking about critical race theory. Let's do this but one. I've never studied critical race theory and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. So, so with respect, I, I find that a curious statement, uh, because, um, you gave a speech in April of 2015, uh, at the university of Chicago in which you described the job you do as a judge. And you said sentencing is just plain interesting because it melds together myriad types of law, criminal law, and of course, constitutional law, critical race theory. So you described in a speech to a law school what you were doing as critical race theory. Dude, that's so funny. Uh, Ted, Ted was ready for that question because he brought, he fucking, he, he brought a, a huge fucking uh, cardboard poster board like with that quote printed out on it. So he was waiting for that question and he was ready for that answer. Oh, man. Uh, oh, and I did want to play this one. Here is uh, CNN's Jeffrey Tubin. You remember Jeffrey Tubin? Jeffrey Spankin Tubin? He's the disgraced legal analyst that masturbated in front of his coworkers and yet was mysteriously allowed to keep his job. Yes. 
Here he is defending the the uh, White House and media narrative on sentencing guidelines for what he calls. Can I just have one cases? point about these these, these kitty porn cases? And, and this this came up. I remember when I was an assistant U.S. attorney back in the '90s. Is that when those uh, when those uh, sentencing guidelines were written for those cases? That this was a time when. Uh, the people who committed these crimes would order individual photos and 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 get and then get them usually through email, um, and then uh, they would be sentenced based on the number of photos they possessed. This was all pre-internet, so uh, once the internet came in and and people got. Um, access to hundreds and then thousands of photos, they would the, the sentencing guidelines would reflect hundreds and then thousands of photos. Federal judges have been struggling with the issue of how do you create a fair system that was designed pre-internet that was, yet you have to sentence people post-internet. And what I thought Chairman Durbin pointed out is that judges across the country including Republican-appointed judges, have been saying, look, we can't apply the rules um, pre that, that were designed pre-Internet for an Internet society. And many judges have been giving somewhat less sentences as a result. Okay, I know he's completely depraved, but that was part of the point they were making. Oh, oh and I should have played this clip first. Let me play this and I'll explain. Here's Katanji Brown-Jackson defend giving lenient sentences to child predators because the internet has made it easier on child porn. So let's hear this first. We are going to treat a person who's distributed a thousand a lot worse because that shows that this person is really engaged in this really horrible behavior. In comes the internet. On the internet, with one click... You can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. You can be doing this for 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Cut. Good. I understand. Absolutely good. I hope you are. <laughs> good. Allow her to finish, please. Okay, let me stop her there. That was Lindsey Graham, by the way. So I see what the argument is. So she, like, in the old days, you had to work to get pictures of child porn, right? So you might get like, you know, onesies, twosies at a time. You might get them through the mail or email if to, to even after that. So somebody who had five pictures versus somebody who had a thousand, the guy who got a thousand was obviously far worse because he'd obviously been doing it for a longer period of time and therefore he got a longer sentence. However, with the internet, she's saying it could be somebody's first time and they get a thousand pictures, but they're still going to receive that same sentence as 20 years ago because the federal sentencing guidelines haven't changed. I hope I kind of make sense with that. Now, at the end of the day, if it was up for me, because this is like something in the head and there's no cure for this. So if it was up to me, they'd all be like chemically castrated and that way nobody could hurt anybody. Uh, so there is a tortured logic in what she's saying. It just doesn't fucking sound good at all when you say it out loud, right? So I, I know, and guys, I know you fucking see all the right wing. You're not here for the right wingers because they're too dumb to sit down and actually analyze this. I, as you guys all know, I'm the only one on the internet capable of going two and a half hours straight through no breaks, no editing, and analyzing this from a objective perspective, the steel trap mind never once giving an inch. I'm not the only one, and I'm, a, and I'm solo. I don't have three producers and two fucking bro fucking co-hosts or y'all yapping over each other. This is just me. Me, the steel trap mind, 
the fucking ab veins. That's all I got, guys. And that's why you tune in every week. Uh, do I have anything else? I just want to move on from this because I don't want to take up any more time. Yeah, that's, that's about all I have. So let's keep going here. Let's go do some bad political candidates as long as we're talking about politics. Uh, do you remember the U.S. House candidate after Oklahoma who was uh, at a sleepover? She was all drinking and swearing at kids. Well, she has officially ended her campaign. That was Abby Broyles, a former investigative television reporter. She has ended her campaign one month after she apologized for verbally abusing children attending a sleepover at a friend's home. Uh, she is young. She's only 32. And uh, she said she had been drinking heavily in her hotel room after the incident. She hit rock bottom, all this stuff, and she tried to, uh, and she felt like she couldn't move on. Remember, about eight girls on February 11th, she had, uh, ages 12 and 13, attended this sleepover where they watched the movie Titanic. She says she has no memory of what happened because she had mixed alcohol and sleep medication. She said she had blacked out after drinking wine, and she said that her friend, who was hosting the sleepover, had never given had given her that medicine that she had never taken before. Uh, so then after that, she was ridiculed all over the internet, swearing at the kids, saying stupid shit, and uh, she dropped out. Other political candidates. Former candidate in Maine has been arrested on, what else? Child porn charges. Two-time Maine gubernatorial candidate Elliot Cutler, gubernatorial means he ran for governor, was arrested for possession of child porn yesterday, two days after search warrants were executed on his two homes in the state. He's 75. He ran for governor twice as an independent. He had a lot of personal wealth. He was charged with four counts of sexually explicit material. They think more charges might be on the way. Cutler is a well-known political figure and a wealthy attorney in the main area. God, I never thought that, I never thought it went this deep, you guys. I really didn't. And my third political candidate story, Eric Greitens. You remember him? He was the former governor of Missouri. And he he's the guy who resigned after he came up in that sex scandal. Yeah, so now he's trying to make a comeback by running for U.S. Senate in Missouri. Well, his wife has come out. And accused him of physically abusing her and one of her sons. Um, so he is currently running for the seat of Senator Roy Blunt, who is now retiring. Remember that 2018 scandal was a sexual relationship with his former hairdresser, and he tied her up in the basement. You guys remember? I covered it heavily at the time. Remember, he's a former Navy SEAL. He's 47 years old. Big Trump guy. And now he is facing fresh calls from his opponents to drop out. Uh, he's denying it, of course. Let's play this clip. Clip is titled, A Hispanic Woman Cuts in Front of a Man and His Kids While Shopping at a CVS, and then the man says something to her. She allegedly uses the N-word at him and his children. Let's take this a listen. This bitch called me a nigger. You called me crazy, dude. This bitch called me a nigger, you though. Me crazy. She cut my kids in line, first of all, because oh she feel God. entitled. Then this stupid bitch called me a nigger. Your kids were in front of my kids. In front of my kids. So not only did you call me a nigger, bitch, you called all my kids niggers. Now I you. No, you, bitch, they black too. They black too. This is the shit that I'm talking about. How the fuck would y'all feel if you in a line 
and a bitch like her cut your kids off like they not even standing there, get in line, and she calls me a fucking nigger. Are you okay, sir? Are you okay? <laughs> she calls me a nigger. And you see my kids? They're all 10 years old. Are you okay? He's nine. Are you okay? He's black. So explain this to this bitch. I'm motherfucking red. I'm black as he is. And you can single out and call one person a nigger. Fuck what happened, bro. Listen to what happened. Do you feel that fair? Are you okay, sir? This trash bitch called me a nigger in front of my kids. I can't call him a nigger, but he can call me a trash. But you took it racistly. Like, I called you a bitch because you're a bitch. And you're acting like a bitch. You cut my kids off. You cut my kids off like they didn't mean shit. And it shows how you feel. You just walk past the nigger, right? You just walk past the niggers, right? Are you okay? Fuck you mean? Then you talking about you? I don't think he's good. Are you okay? You just exposed yourself. They looking at you like you stupid. We're not racist no more. We're not racist no more. We don't do that shit. Everybody gonna see this shit. This shit's gonna be viral. Bitch, you're going viral. You're the one that's going crazy on everybody, dude. How would you feel? How would y'all feel? How does this any ever end? Y'all become minorities just like me. So if your kids was in here, how the fuck would you feel? She's just standing there. There's there there's a second video. Should I even? Well, here's a follow up. I'll just I'll just play it a little bit of it. They ten years old getting called niggers. Bitch, you embarrassing. I called you a nigger. Nobody's it, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, they she admitted it. Dude, stop crying. Stop <laughs> crying. You're I didn't call you a beaner, bitch. I didn't call you a wet bag. The fuck? I didn't call you that. I've been called a wet bag by a nigger before. That's fuck. why I said nigger. Dumb fuck. You racist, bitch. You're racist. You're Everybody's racist. Everybody's racist, dude. You're racist. I have a race. Why can't I be racist? Fuck you mean. Fuck you, dude. Fuck. You have a lot of the You're a coward, bro. Why talk to bitches like this? Oh! Stay, stay equal. Stay equal. We go through the same shit every day. Okay, I'll stop it there. Tell them to go back. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I kept going. All right, very good. Uh, an angry wife is said to have hacked off her husband's penis after he was allegedly caught abusing his stepdaughter on a hidden camera. The woman from Vietnam set up the secret recording device by the girl's bed following several complaints from her daughter over her stepdad's unusual repeated behavior. Uh, local authorities said the couple had a history of marital conflicts. They got in a fight. And apparently the wife caught him red-handed. This happened at midnight. The woman proceeded to sever her husband's genitals in his sleep before throwing them away. She handed herself into, into police as footage of the man's alleged abuse was placed in their possession. Meanwhile, her bloodied husband was rushed for emergency treatment. Uh, oh, sadly, medical staff confirmed that reattachment was now no longer an option. Ay, ay, ay. The surgery was very difficult for doctors because the wound was completely cut and the skin was gone. Mmm. Besides, the penis is cut with a knife requires doctors to treat the wound, wash the severed part properly to avoid infection. Yeah. <laughs> the genitals have still not been recovered. So they're out there. If you're in Vietnam, keep an eye out for them. 
Uh, okay, a couple stories here about what are you doing, dude. Here's one right here in San Diego. A man was killed after attempting to parachute from the top of a high-rise apartment ba- building in San Diego as his 16-year-old daughter watched. This happened on Tuesday. It's happened at 10.30 at night in University City. The 48-year-old man, God, was attempting to parachute from the 23-story Palisade UTC luxury apartment complex near the UTC Mall, if you know the area. The Palisade UTC is 277 feet tall. They're unclear whether the parachute malfunctioned or if it just didn't have enough time to open up properly. They think the daughter was up on the rooftop with him and was able to see the entire thing. Oh, man. A 911 caller, according to police radio traffic, heard a, quote, loud pop, end quote, similar to a gunshot, looked over the balcony and saw the man on the ground. Yeah, he was gone. Yep. And then this one, which a friend of mine sent to me because this guy is a veteran and he's kind of known in the veteran community a little bit. I'm not going to say his name, but in Honolulu, police in Hawaii Say a man fell to his death from a hotel balcony on Tuesday. He was a 39-year-old tourist who was visiting Honolulu from here in Southern California. He was trying to climb the balcony of his hotel room to the neighboring room where his friend was staying. And whoops, he fell in the process. Guess what else? It happened at 4 a.m. This was at the Waikiki Sheridan. His body was later found on the pool deck. Dude, I don't care if it's six. And, and it was like from the 40th story up. Like fucking one slip, dude. It could be like six inches across, but all you need to do is fucking slip and you're done. And then one more. And I put this video on my Instagram. This 14-year-old boy named Tyre Sampson who died Thursday night falling from a ride at Orlando's Icon theme park in Florida. The whole fucking thing was caught on tape of him. The the ride came down. It was one of those rides that shoots you really fast in the air and then comes down really fast. Well, when it came down really fast, he slipped out from under the safety bar and fucking splatted, dude. Yep. His father said Tyre knew something was wrong and was freaking out on the way up the ride. It could be Tyree. T-Y-R-E. But usually Tyree's two E's, but I don't know. But he was 14 years old. They said that the boy believed something was wrong with his safety harness during the ride and asked his friend sitting next to him to tell his parents that he loved them. Wow. Um, and he started, like, freaking out about it. The kid was 6'5 and 340. He was told by other riders in the park that he was too large to ride safely, but that the free fall, that's the name of the ride, operators waved him aboard. Yeah, dude. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably expired on my stories, but I had it in my stories yesterday, but not, uh, not good, dude. You just, everything is out to kill you. Just remember that. Okay. Let's keep doing some quick headlines here. Um, how about this? Let's talk about the border. I meant to last week, but I never got around to it. Leaked Border Patrol documents show mass release of illegal immigrants into the U S by the Biden administration. This is a Fox news story. And this is by Bill Malusian. He's down there all the time. And at least 160,000 illegal immigrants have been released in the United States, often with little to no supervision. This is just since March. 
including a broad use of limited parole authorities to make more than 30,000 eligible for work permits since just last August. So, yeah, this is fucking crazy, dude. Since August 6th, the federal government has released over 70,000 illegal immigrants in the United States, including 31,977 released via parole. And that gives them, if they're released via parole, that gives them temporary legal status and it makes them eligible for work permits. Yeah, dude. Since just this last March... This this has to be from last March. Oh, no, maybe not. Since March? Yeah, it has to be. Since March 20th, um, at least 94,570 illegal immigrants have been released in the United States with notices to... Report. Those who receive such a notice are only required to check in with an ICE officer when they get to their final destination, which could be anywhere across the country. Those who check in are not deported or detained as their immigration proceedings move forward. And as you know, that could take fucking years and years and years. So the goal is that they're here, they'll get in place, and that they'll never leave, which has always been the goal. Now, conversely, Biden has announced a plan to speed up deportations, according to him and asylum applications. So, because Title 42, that was the public health order rule that they used to quickly expel illegal immigrants, that's probably going to be dropped pretty soon because COVID is coming to an end, right? So, they think a mass influx of illegal immigrants will will come here as soon as it's uh, rescinded. So, this new rule will go into effect in late May or early June and will authorize asylum officers to immediately accept or reject migrants' requests for protection soon after they cross the border. Normally, they have to go in front of a U.S. immigration court and be seen by a judge. So, and that and that's the part that take years. But the problem is this uh, asylum officers, rejections, those will still need to be reviewed by a judge. The new rule applies to those who are subject to expedited removal and unaccompanied children are exempt from the rule. The new policy expands who is eligible for expedited removal. That is a process where immigration officers can deport people without a hearing from a judge. So that, that all sounds pretty good. Uh, but it's one thing to just put that out and then it's far of another thing to actually implement it. So I'll fucking believe it when I see it. And also Biden is asking Congress for 9,000 fewer immigration detention beds. They want to seek funding for 25,000 beds down from the 34,000 beds that are currently funded. Oh, so they're going to lower the beds so we can't hold on to anybody. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, that's 25% of the current bed capacity. So, in other words, they they don't want to detain immigrants, illegal immigrants anymore. They just want to give them an ankle monitor or other alternative, which is, take my word for it, I'll show up to the immigration hearing. Okay. Let's see, Stormy Daniels, the porn star. I use star loosely. She hasn't been, I, when's the last porn she was even in? Anyway, she has lost her appeal in the Donald Trump case. Yes, and according to a federal appeals court, up, upholding a judge's order in her failed defamation lawsuit, she must pay ex-president Donald Trump nearly $300,000 in attorney's fees. This likely ends a years-long legal feud between Daniels and Trump related to her claim that they had sex one time in 2006. Now, the funny thing is, so she has to pay Trump three hundred grand, and then remember my guy Michael Avenatti stole 300 grand from her 
So she's out 600K because she wanted to fucking um, get on TV. <laughs> what a fucking L, dude. She, she tweeted, quote, I will go to jail before I pay a penny, end quote. Okay, well, then fucking go to jail. Let's see here. A Montana hiker was missing, and now the authorities are saying he was killed by a grizzly bear, dude. This is Craig Clawatre of Livingston. He was reported overdue from his hike in a six-mile creek area of th on Thursday in Montana. They found his body. They didn't provide details, but the local sheriff said, quote, after an extensive search this morning, we have located Craig. It appears he had an encounter with a grizzly and unfortunately did not survive, end quote. Yikes. Dude. Grizzly bears, very high on the animal hierarchy. Stay away from them. And fuck bear spray, dude. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't have experience with grizzly bears. I'd rather have a fucking huge gun, like something that's shooting slugs or fucking... Uh, a 308 semi-automatic or something like that than bear spray. But this is maybe bear spray is just really gets on their nerves and is much more effective. I'm not sure. Let me know. All right. What else do I have? Let's go to uh this one's good. How about this? Let's go to this headline. Police union boss pulls gun on grinder date who stole his wallet. Oh no. Yes, a January 11th report, it's just coming out now, reveals that Miami Police Department Sergeant Tommy Reyes, the openly gay president of Miami's Fraternal Order of Police Union, was nearly charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for pulling a gun on his one-night stand after the man stole his wallet during their liaison and attempted to blackmail him. He's 36, and he was relieved of duty based on an anonymous complaint, and so nobody knew what it was at the time. So according to Tallahassee Police Report, Reyes met his date, described as a, quote, young Hispanic male, end quote, at the Hampton Inn and Suites Hotel. Well, that's good. At least they used the hotel. See what I'm talking about? Um, the date allegedly met Reyes at the hotel, entered the room while Reyes was turned around to conceal his face, Oh, okay, I see. So he was like, he didn't want to show his face. They were just going to go right to banging, dude. That's fucking, that's how you do. Oh, man. You know, that gives me a great idea. It's like, dude, just come in. Don't even look at me. Don't even talk to me. Just fucking bend over. We're going right to banging. So the date then told Tallahassee police officers that he pretended to, oh, no, God. Okay, I, I just got a visual. Okay, so Reyes apparently was turned around pretty much on all fours to conceal his face, but just up in the air, and this dude was just supposed to come in and fucking start wailing away because this article says the date told Tallahassee police officers that he pretended to ejaculate by spitting on Reyes's back. Oh, God. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. And then he took Reyes' wallet before leaving. But then Reyes told police when the date found his uh, Miami Police Department badge and law enforcement credentials inside the pilfered wallet, the date began sending him messages on Grindr trying to blackmail him. 
The date claimed that Reyes had agreed to let him go on a shopping spree if he returned the wallet. Reyes said he never consented to such an arrangement, and his date used his American Express card, his date, without his permission, to purchase several items from a Best Buy store, including computer gaming accessories. Oh, this was nice. And a $10 donation to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. (laughs) Oh, man. And then they met up again to exchange the wallet, and that's when Reyes fucking... uh, allegedly quipped, oh, by the way, I have a gun. And then Reyes grabbed a concealed gun, allegedly, and pointed it at his date. And then he tried to arrest him. This is a fucking great story. Very, very long. Lots of detail. Uh, yeah, go to the metroweekly.com. And you guys can use uh, see all that gory detail. I gave you most of them, but there's still pretty good stuff there. <clears throat> That's funny. And speaking of Florida cops, here's another one. This The Daily Mail had this one. Let's talk about Florida police officer Joshua Black. Um, he was fired from the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office this week. So a scorned girlfriend got Joshua Brack, I should say, fired after revealing to his bosses that Brack, a male, had sex with male prostitutes, took nude photos, and sent them to men he met on Grinder and brought home seized marijuana for her to sell. She also said he spent his money on pornography and those male prostitutes instead of paying his bills. They searched his computer and phone and found a ton of nude photos. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Can you believe this guy was a fucking sheriff's deputy? Can you imagine? Man. She also said he took bribes while giving people traffic infractions, uh, he sent his ex-girlfriend crime scene photos, including that of a decapitated head, and then, yes, took photos of his penis and sent it to men he'd met on Grinder. What is going on, police officers? Come on. All right. Let's, what else? What other fun stuff do I have? Um, let's do... Let's do some Kamala Harris. She was being roundly mocked, as usual. Because this was going around. Uh, She had some deep thoughts recently. She was talking about the passage of time. Where is this? I don't remember where this was. This this video has 7 million views. Let's listen to Kamala Harris here talking about the Vice President of the United States. Is this thing going to fucking load or what? Let me reload the page here. Sorry, guys. The fucking iPad is... What is going on with Twitter? Okay, let's try it again. It's just weird. Like My page is like blanking out. Is this thing going to work, or do I have to go to the other audio clip? Sorry, guys. Bear with me again. Live show. Um, this is very strange. I've never seen this kind of thing happen before. Well, let's try a super cut from Kamala Harris, because I believe what I wanted to play is somewhere in this, and this is just of a collection of her musings. And is this one going to play for me? Um, this is very, very strange. Let me try. <laughs> I know. This is on the fly, you guys. I'm, I'm trying to quit uh, Safari and come back to this. Now let me see if I can get this to work this way. So here we go. And I, we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time. Right? The significance of the passage of time. 
So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. <laughs> Everybody's just sitting there like baffled, like, what are you fucking talking about? Here's like a little mashup of some of our other great it is moments. It's time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day we must together work together to see where we are where we are headed where we are going and our vision for where we should be because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been (laughs) and then to make the possible actually happen to see what is possible to see what can be unburdened by what has been to reject the notion that the way things have always been has to be the way things will continue to be. I have a motto. I drink, I eat and drink no for breakfast. I eat no for breakfast. I eat no for breakfast. <laughs> there is no vaccine for racism. The climate crisis represents an existential threat to who we are as a species. Talking about the significance of the passage of time. <laughs> okay, let me stop it there. Oh, God. She is so fucking goofy. Let's see. What else do I really, really want to get to? Uh, Let's go to... Well, I promised you guys I had a couple other of these. Uh, Man accused of performing sexual acts on his dog possessing child pornography. This is in Maryland. And he's a convicted felon. Uh, 42-year-old Jason Havelt... In Maryland, a search of his home uh, led to his arrest on charges of child pornography, illegal weapons charges, tons of, I can't even read them all, and seven counts of aggravated cruelty to an animal. Detectives got tips back in November 2021 about animal abuse and cruelty. A USB drive provided to the sheriff's office in Franklin County Animal Control allegedly showed pictures of Havelt performing sexual acts on his dog, Further forensic examination of cell phones seized from him reportedly revealed more images and videos of animal abuse. God, they also found videos of child pornography, including acts with animals and pictures of Havelt in his home with multiple weapons, including rifles, shotguns, and handguns. He's a convicted felon is therefore prohibited from owning firearms. Okay, he's fucking, he's, he's got to go, dude. And then, yes, yes, another one. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A man has been arrested. 42-year-old Timothy Blackman was arrested and charged for filming and participating in sexual acts with dogs. Uh, He was utilizing a phone messaging app to sell videos of himself participating in those acts with dogs. Uh, Deputies said that evidence uncovered during their investigation led investigators to obtain a search warrant on Thursday and during that search warrant two of his dogs were seized I'm looking at his mugshot right now god any good detail in here no see that that first one was really the fucking that first uh, dog fucking story I did was really the high note yeah the other ones just didn't live up to my usual expectations okay some other here Let's do this one. Uh, let's go to the UFC. Colby Covington, who recently defeated Jorge Masvidal. You guys saw that like a week or two ago? Well, they had like a fight in the streets. This is about a week after they fought in the ring and Covington won. Well, they had an impromptu rematch. 
outside of a Miami Beach restaurant Monday night. So Masvidal is now facing a felony battery charge. So Covington pretty much beat him pretty bad. It was a lopsided unanimous decision. Uh, it's not known what sparked this pair street fight in Miami Beach, but TMZ did post a video of Masvidal yelling, don't talk about my kids while being restrained from Covington, who reportedly broke a tooth or had a tooth broken. Masvidal apparently knew Covington's location because of several Instagram posts from social media star and podcast host Bob Mennery. Uh, it's being claimed that Covington was sucker punched twice by Masvidal. And that's literally all we know. Oh, there is a video. Okay, it's it's very grainy though, and I don't know how good the video the the audio is, so I'm not going to play it, but. Apparently, Covington, and I saw on Twitter, Covington has supposedly said something about Masvidal's kids, which is not cool at all, if that's what happened. Um, so, yeah. They're both from Miami, so it's not surprising that they would kind of link up and he'd go looking for him. But you guys, you're supposed to be a professional, dude. Just fucking you settle that in a ring. Uh, it's quick. You guys heard the music at the beginning. And that was the Foo Fighters, and they're in the news because longtime Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins was found dead at the age of 50. He was found dead in his hotel room in Bogota, Colombia, where the band was due to play at a festival. And now Colombian journalist Luis Carlos Velez claimed that white powder, quote, similar to cocaine, end quote, hmm, was found in the room. They have not confirmed any drug use yet, so I'm just put, but I'm just putting it out there. Colombian newspaper El Tiempo said a confidential report it had been they had uh, been informed about pointed to hallucinogens also being found in the hotel room, and the band had said they were quote devastated by the untimely loss end quote. So you knew right off the bat this was an unexpected death, and in a healthy 50 year old guy who's probably got pretty good cardio from fucking banging drums two hours every night, almost certainly it'd be drugs or suicide, almost certainly if not murder. <clears throat> so obviously Foo Fighters a huge band. Taylor Hawkins, he used to be on the, uh, he used to play for Alanis Morissette. And Dave Grohl, founder of the Foo Fighters, of course, Dave Grohl himself is an excellent drummer, formerly of the drummer for Nirvana, if you didn't know. And Dave Grohl then formed the Foo Fighters after Kurt Cobain killed himself. They were a fucking huge success in some ways, maybe even, maybe not culturally, but certainly financially and commercially more successful than Nirvana was. Uh, one of the biggest bands in the world. And... Dave Grohl actually asked Taylor Hawkins, hey, I need a drummer. Who should I hire? And he didn't bother asking Taylor Hawkins because he thought, well, Taylor's with this hugely successful Alanis Morissette tour. He's not going to want to do it. And Taylor Hawkins said, dude, I'll do it. And ever since then, he's been playing for the Foo Fighters. As a matter of fact, he joined the Foo Fighters in 1996 or 97. Four years after that, he had overdosed on heroin and ended up in a coma in 2001. Yes. So, it's very bad. He was married to his wife and he was a father to two teenage children. Health chiefs appeared to be hinting that he suffered a heart attack last night. Well, yeah, heart attack probably in relation to the drugs. 
So it's very sad. Again, huge. I mean, you're, you have an awesome fucking career, dude. A family. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of, well, I brought up the Navy. I brought up the military earlier. I forgot I had this story. The Supreme Court has weighed in on that Navy controversy about vaccines. And the Supreme Court, in a win for the Biden administration, has given the administration injunction which will allow Navy brass to decide not to deploy SEALs if they are unvaccinated. Navy will be allowed to decline to deploy SEALs and other special forces personnel who refused COVID-19 vaccination due to religious objectives. This court held part of a federal judge's ruling stating that 26 members of the Navy SEALs and nine special forces personnel were entitled to a religious exemption. More than 99%, by the way, of active duty Navy service members are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, you know, I, I know I get shit for this all the time. I don't, I don't get it, guys. You're going to fucking ruin your career over a fucking vaccination? Yeah, spare me. I've heard all the arguments. BK, it's only been a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. This isn't like a polio vaccine. It's been around for decades. Okay, I get it, all right? I got jabbed with all kinds of shit. And, and all those things have side effects. Smallpox and fucking anthrax. And I took it all. I don't even know what I was getting. They literally lined me up one day and shot me in both, both shoulders. I know what the fuck I was getting. And most people did get it. And almost all of them are fine. So, but it's, hey, it's a free country. You can lose your job if you want. Go do it. What else? A, did you see guys see the six teenagers who were killed in the Oklahoma crash? Yep, it was a small four-seater car with six high school girls. They rolled through a stop sign at an Oklahoma intersection where they were struck by a semi-truck, killing all six teenagers inside. It's so bad. Witnesses reported that the vehicle made a, quote, rolling stop, end quote, at the stop sign and entered the intersection before the violent collision with the truck that was hauling rocks. The teenagers ranged in age from 15 to 17. Only the driver and passenger were wearing seatbelts. It obviously didn't help. And they were traveling in a Chevy Spark. The driver of the truck was 51 years old. He was wearing a seatbelt. He was not injured in the wreck at all. No criminal charges have been filed. Guys, please, you young people, fucking drive properly. Uh, okay, to lighten it up, let's do this. <clears throat> this is a kind of a comedian. I normally don't post like fake shit, but this this guy is pretty funny. He likes to troll city councils. I don't know who it is exactly. I think his name's Cassidy Campbell. Is that right? Anyway, he's wearing a Biden for President T-shirt, and he's talking to city council. And he decides to get some stuff off his mind. Let's listen to this. If we had a nuclear war, it would be worth it if we could just save one life. is to get vaccinated while supporting Ukraine in the fight 
That is your social responsibility. Everybody! One of the people I look up to who I've begun to love is Klaus Schwab. And he said by 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. And I stand with him because I am not selfish. And those who stand against it are selfish. My closing stake and my only regret is that I didn't stop Rihanna Taylor's killers. I still remember like it was yesterday. I was shopping at Target in the pride section looking for a shirt for my six-year-old openly gay transgender nephew after I got off work at Starbucks where I'm a barista. But at least I know that I was helping the LGBTQ community while Brianna Taylor was killed. Every night I lay on my pillow and I pray that Dr. Fauci would make a vaccine for white supremacy. I hate myself! Thank you. That's your time. Appreciate it. Oh God! That's, there's like there's like three people behind. They must see this shit all the time because these three, three chicks. There's like a chick sitting like in a row waiting to speak. They're not even faced. They're just sitting there acting like totally normal. And yes, I do have also the audio of the professor that was the the high school teacher that was fired because one of the students caught his rant against them on camera, and I will play that as well. Here we go. You'll wait for me there after the second bell so I can dismiss the rest of the class. Does anyone else want to try my authority? Because I am fucking done playing with you idiots. I am here because I want to be here. I somewhat enjoy this job. You need something from me. I need nothing from you. You can go through life and live on the fucking system, draw your paycheck on the first and the fifteenth from my taxes, and live just an absolute horrible life. I don't care. You can be another statistic. I don't care. That's on you. And if you think it's funny, I can take you down to the county office and we'll pull the fucking numbers. And if you don't like my language, I don't give a shit. Because you've said worse. And if you, again, somebody you leave to, get out now. Get your shit, get out. I'm not. Get out now. I need fucking out. Okay, shit. I don't have the story in front of me. I just had the audio clip. So I, but the teacher, I, I believe, has been fired. All right, guys, almost out of time, so let's just do some quick headlines. Uh, formal, former Apple employee charged with defrauding $10 million by taking kickbacks, stealing equipment, and laundering money. That was 52-year-old Direndra Prasad. Worked for 10 years as a buyer in Apple's global services supply chain department, so he's gone away. Um, a police officer caught an ex-teacher trying to take voyeuristic video of him in a toilet. Yeah, this is in Singapore. Um, the accused had filmed his male colleagues and students at the school he used to work at, as well as the men's common toilet in his condominium complex. He recorded at least 120 voyeuristic videos. Uh, he would stand at the urinals next to the victims to film them, capturing their faces and exposed genitals. How do you not see that if they're doing that to you? So one of his victims, unfortunately, turned out to be an investigative police officer. He'd been swimming before he went to the clubhouse shower to dry himself, to, to shower and dry himself. So he stood on the bench in front of the victim with his mobile phone camera pointing down. Uh, and he got caught. So they uh, fucking, 
the, the guy confronted him. He handed over his iPhone. And then they found all kinds of videos of fucking guys jacking off and stuff like that on, on his phone. So, yeah, no good. Uh, two secu- South Carolina security officers are facing criminal charges for le- allegedly attempting to poison their supervisor. Yeah, they were working in the Sea Island community of Hilton Head. And the men are accused of placing good old eye drops into their security supervisor's personal coffee maker. You guys remember that an ingredient commonly used in eye drops can cause sleepiness, low blood pressure, and a dangerously slow heart rate when used in high amounts or ingested. When consumed by mouth, the drops may result in serious toxicity or death. As a matter of fact, in 2020, a South Carolina woman was sentenced to 25 years in jail for putting eye drops in her husband's drink. He later died. So... They're going away. Uh, Madeline Albright, first woman to serve as Secretary of State, has died at age 84. Um, the, you guys, I forgot this when I was talking about Ted Cruz earlier. You see the Montana airport called the cops on Ted Cruz, the Republican senator, after he missed the check-in window for his flight and told it was too busy to rebook a flight because it was spring break. <laughs> yep. The airport told the Daily Mail that one of its public safety officers was was in the ticket lobby and was asked to assist with a frustrated passenger. The user, some user, posted a video. The audio wasn't good. They claimed Cruz said some form of quote, "Do you know who I am?" end quote. That always goes over well with some guy making twenty bucks an hour. There's been a backlash in rural India over a rubber penis in a family planning kit. The Maharashtra government was criticized over putting a rubber penis prop into a family planning kit for health workers to demonstrate how to put on a condom. (laughs) Sex is very taboo there. And they did not care for the rubber penis. And this uh, fucking caused much outrage. Um, What else? Do I have any more? I got a few. Oh, this was on a plane. In Austin, Texas, we had a little plane meltdown. Let's hear it. And he sat back down in his chair on the phone and they're calling the cops on him. That's good. Is there, yeah, that's about the end of the video. That's been viewed two million times. I'm fascinated with the view numbers. Shows how popular it is. Um, any other videos before I wrap it up? Oh, here's a guy who is caught stealing gas in broad daylight. Yeah, the gas prices are out of control, and he starts apologizing. He gets caught by the owner of a car siphoning gas out of the dude's gas tank. Let's listen to this. What the fuck you doing? I'm sorry, dude. I got to get some gas. I'm sorry, brother, Dan. I just ran out of gas. I was going to get enough to go to the fucking gas station. So you're going to take mine? A little. I was, dude. I'm sorry, bro. 
I'm serious. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I saw you come open my shit, so I laid down. Yeah. I watched you walk past, check it out, and I fucking knew you were gonna do I'm that, bro. Sorry, brother, no, seriously. I, I, you... This is your truck right here. Yeah, I was just gonna. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm sorry, brother. Nah, it ain't no. I'm sorry, bro. All right. Well, you know. I, I, I seriously, dude, I, I just ran out of gas right here. I don't give a fuck what happened, bro. <laughs> you ain't gonna take my shit. This is in, that was in California too. He does a close up on his plate, and it's a California license plate. That's funny. All right, anything else? I just have to get to. Um, let's go to the big finish, guys. Brace yourself. I told you it was bad. Uh, let us go to. Lagos. You guys all know where Lagos is, right? Yes. Uh, Lagos is Nigeria's largest city. And yes, here's the headline. Lagos pastor rapes three brothers on pretense of releasing, quote, power, end quote, into them. Yes, this was a pastor. This is Pastor Elijah Amenendu of the Chapel of Revelation Deliverance Ministry. Ministry. He has been arrested by the Lagos State Police Force for allegedly sodomizing and raping three brothers on the pretense of transferring the power of God into them through anal sex. Uh, Pastor Amendu, Amenendu, started with the eldest brother after encouraging the young boy to stop internet fraud, popularly known as Yahoo Yahoo. I don't know what the internet fraud is exactly. Maybe like maybe it's all those Nigerian prince scams. So he encouraged the boy, and afterwards he informed the boy that to experience the power of God, he would release the power into him through anal sex. The boy reportedly agreed to the plan. And then the pastor copulated with the young man four times a week, also inserted dangerous objects, including a mop stick. The pastor also allegedly used a syringe needle to tickle the young man's scrotum and navel. He then proceeded to abuse the younger brother of the victim by first teaching him how to pleasure himself. Yes. Uh, dude. <laughs> yep. From the first boy, the pastor moved to his immediate younger brother, taught him the masturbation, and then he moved to the youngest brother and had sex to, with him too. I'm not sure about the ages. He made them have sex with each other in his hotel room after church service. Oh, God. Yep. And this is real because I checked. And there was a bunch of stories about it, especially from Nigeria. So this, this guy said, yeah, I'm going to release God into you. But it's going to come in your butthole. So, guys... I, I fucking can't. There goes the iPad. I'm all done. And that's two and a half hours straight through. No breaks, no editing. That's all. The guys, nobody else is capable of doing it. Even in the mood I'm in. I'm completely depressed. Personal life is a shambles. One more time. What are you going to do? Well, one thing you can do is go to Patreon.com. You guys, you support the podcast. Please go to Patreon.com. Search for BK Actual and consider putting in a buck or two. Pledge the podcast. It greatly helps me out and it gives me time to research all these stories i know you guys love and appreciate follow me on twitter at bravo kilo actual and check out that instagram at bk actual and guys that's all i got for you i'll see you next week for you.